as Tim was sharing the offering, sharing about the author of It Is Well With My Soul, and then, you know, losing his, his son, losing everything, his home, and then losing the remainder of his family. Um, this scripture came to mind. It's out of Hebrews chapter 12. And it's this, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Despising shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There is no greater vision than what Jesus demonstrated. And it's what the author of that song saw when, when, when everything was lost. It's what Job saw when everything was just utterly destroyed. His family, everything he owned. And he sat down in the dust and he said... Naked I came into this world, and naked I'm going to leave. God giveth and God taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. He could see something beyond. The last few weeks we've been talking about vision, about seeing something beyond what we can presently see. A few weeks ago, the essence of what I was sharing was this. If I'm limited by what God can do for you, then I will likely be limited. Then I will likely do the same. Uh, let me try that again. If I'm limited in what God can do for you, I will likely do the same for myself. I'm, I'm going to limit myself. And conversely, if I'm limiting what God is able to do for myself, then I'm likely limiting what I believe God can and will do for you. And last week, Melissa took us through the book of Habakkuk and was talking about vision and the importance of waiting on the vision. And when we when we get it, writing it down so that the one who, who takes it can run with it, I encourage you to go back and listen to that word. Today I want to talk about the nature of hope. And Papa's really set the stage quite well. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this, that in the end three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And love certainly is the greatest. And, and faith, faith is the currency of kingdom. Everything is, is by faith and through faith in Jesus, right? But I want to take a little time to consider hope this morning and its connection to vision. It plays a key role, especially in a time when, when people are sorely lacking hope. I want to start with this. 
What is hope? In both the Greek and the Hebrew, hope is defined similarly as an expectation. Okay? Is to expect or a longing with the Hebrew Hebrew root of hope being to wait for. Okay? So, in simple terms, it's this. I'm in a position where I cannot see in the natural. Okay? I'm hiking. Alright? Got a hiker there, a bunch of trees in his way. He longs for water. He's pretty thirsty. So, if he cannot see, he has to do something. He has to probably climb a tree so that he can see the path, right? And then if he's smart, depending on the distance, now if it's just a little ways over, you come down, you remember where it's at, and off you go toward the river. If it's a little more difficult, then perhaps you need to come down, write things down, and, and make a map for yourself, or make some notes, because you know that there's a certain rock that you go around because you can't get this way because there's a pass, or there's a bear over there, or something, right? In the natural, this is a great demonstration of hope. It's based on something that we see, but when we climb back down, okay, in that moment, it's not there yet, but so, so we can no longer see it, but yet there's an expectancy that we saw it, it's there. So I know I can get to it. This is hope, it's that expectancy. I saw the river, therefore it's there. It's, it's no different in the spiritual. You know, we climb into Papa's lap. We go into heavenly places, seated with Christ Jesus. That is the very purpose of him taking us into heavenly places. Is we are seated with Christ Jesus so that we can see like Jesus, so that we can see with Jesus. And what we can see suddenly stirs home. There's an expectancy for what God shows us. We expect to see the things which we see or that we are shown. And then by faith in the spirit, we choose to stand on or act upon those things which we cannot presently see as if it is truly there. Our faith then becoming the substance of things hoped for as Hebrews 11 one talks about. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope plays a very vital role. It bridges the gap. It's what faith stands upon. And it's what, what leads us into the, the, to pulling in, to, to receiving that which Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, where is it? It's right here. I don't see it. Well, look for it. It's what leads us into kingdom. It's what, it's what brings kingdom crashing into the natural realm. It begins with hope. But it begins even more so with, with vision. See how good I did this. I went spur of the moment with my slides, so who knows what you may find there. I think <laughs> I think most of it's good. Proverbs chapter twenty-nine verse eighteen says this. Um, I believe this is from the New American Standard. 
where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. A happy is the one who keeps the law. The King James Version says, where there is no vision, people are, the people perish. Okay? Kind of the same thing. Okay? Or, or, or very similar connotation. I mean, just look around you. I mean, take it either way. Do you see people perishing needlessly because of lack of hope? Do you see people unrestrained? It's lack of hope. I did a little research, not extensive by any means. But as of August 2020, this year, suicide, this is in Los Alamos, New Mexico, tripled. Cook County, Illinois, suicides are up 13% compared to the same period last year. And in Fresno, California, suicides are up 70% higher in June than the same month last year. In general, the nation's suicide rate reached historic heights even prior to COVID-19, the COVID-19 pandemic, with rates at the highest level since World War II. That's without the pandemic. There's such... My heart breaks because there's such a lack of hope in the world. And I get angry and I get frustrated... In the full gamut of emotions, right? First Corinthians. My phone won't click. First Corinthians chapter seven. It says love hopes all things. This is what we're called to do. Love hopes all things. We serve a God who is love, and we are made in his image. If this is true, then like our Father in heaven, we are called to look for the hope in every person and in every situation and infuse hope into the midst of death and destruction. This, This is our calling. If hope is born of what we see both naturally and spiritually, and we're called to find hope in all things, then vision suddenly becomes even more important, being the basis for hope. Yes. First Corinthians chapter 14, Paul tells us to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, but especially that you would prophesy. It's not just a cool thing. The reason prophecy is so important, yes, it stirs up and inspires the unbeliever. When you start calling out things that are not as though they are, when when God uses a prophetic voice to begin reading your mail and speaking things into your life that no one else knows about, it gets your attention. But even more so, it gives sight. It allows us to see something. 
It allows us to see the heart of God from which we can attach hope. Prophecy is essentially seeing that which is not as though it is. It is vision and the foundation for hope. Where there is no hope, there is often no, uh, where there is no vision, there is often no hope and expectancy. In the clinic, I need to create a picture for people so that they have hope. It's what the medical profession is called to do, by and large. We lay out the facts, right? We are called to create and often tell not only worst case scenario, but best case scenario. But we're going to start from the position of hope. Let's start here. We're going to develop an exercise plan. We're going to develop a plan of treatment that focuses on the hope that's available. Because if I don't start there, people aren't going to, they're not even going to reach for it. They're going to say, just cut me open. Send me back to the doctor. Why bother? Why am I here? part, this is also what we do with the Ministry of Pursuit. Okay, That's something that's unfamiliar to it. Um, ask about it later. Okay, But I think everybody here has been exposed to it in one way, shape, or form. But God was just speaking to me. You know, pursuit starts with a dream. What are your dreams? You know? And people don't always recognize the dreams of their heart as things that are God-given. But but they often are. It's a vision. It's a vision or a hope. It's something, it's a vision which we attach hope to. And we start with this vision which God's already placed in people's heart and we help them strategize with it. 1 Timothy 1.18 says, Paul is talking to Timothy is in Timothy and he says, This I, I this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecy prophecies. Hmm. Better slow down. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. And in the in the Greek Waging the good warfare. There's a word that literally means to strategize. Paul is telling Timothy that he needs to begin strategizing with the prophetic word. He needs to begin strategizing with the vision. So in essence, he's saying this. Strategize with the things you've been shown. It's important when we get the vision to write it down. 
But Paul is saying, you know what, there's another step. Because if that doesn't lay it all out for you, then you need to begin strategizing with it. If, I, if God hasn't provided the strategy already, then you need to seek him for it. Because vision that doesn't lead to hope is incomplete. Does that make sense? So pursuit is truly nothing more than helping people to strategize with the things that they've been shown, their dreams. Or, in some cases, help them come to their own determination that perhaps this isn't a God thing. We've all been there. You have dreams and then you, you come to a place and you really look at it critically. You begin to strategize and you go, Ah, okay, I thought this was a good idea, but... Now I just don't see it that way. You know, I remember when we first got married, you know, I, I had this this picture of, you know, having 11 children. <laughs> it was a dream, believe it or not. I, you know, a lot of children, and, and we would have our this beautiful house on the hill that we would build, and, you know, it was just the perfect life. And then as we continued to step towards things, and we had our first child, I went, oh, you know what? Five sounds a whole lot better. Five is good. I like five. It's a good number. We had our second child, and I'm thinking, three's good. Two, three. I'm okay with that. Vision sometimes shifts and changes, or, or God sometimes shifts and adjusts the vision. It wasn't wrong. I had a passion to have children. Okay, you just modify the end result. Yes, adoption. Pastor Michelle was saying not with this body. <laughs> So, so pursuit is, is, is basically helping others translate their vision into hope or expectancy to, to help them strategize so they can begin taking steps of faith to see those dreams become reality. When we do not see ourselves getting any closer to the place or the thing which God promised, we often need to invite others into the process to help break the vision down. It's just the, the way it is. You look at Nehemiah. You look at significant people. Uh, anyone that God had to do a great work that's laid out as a demonstration for us. You see Nehemiah taking the vision which God gave him and saying, all right, here's the plan. Now we got to run with it. And yes, he told them what to do, but he didn't tell them where to lay every brick. He didn't tell them how to fight every single little thing. He gave strategy and input where it was needed. But he released things. Moses, when he received the vision for the tabernacle, he could see it all, but he didn't have the skill. I would guess he probably had no clue how certain things work together, but God gave him people that he could entrust and say, this is what I'm seeing, run with it. Yeah. 
And we, we see both past and present, kings, queens, heads of states, heads of nations, doing this all the time. And it's based on Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, or Proverbs 15, 22, or Proverbs 24, 6, all of which say wisdom is found in a multitude of counselors. Heads of state surround themselves by multiple counselors. Why? For strategy. They may have a vision for how a thing should look, but they surround themselves with counselors so that strategy can come forth and expectancy can be built and a roadmap can be laid out so the thing which they see can become a reality. They can step into the substance that leads them to bringing a thing into reality. It's what we do in the eldership when we meet. Aside from having some good food, good conversation. According to my daughter, long conversation. You know, there's strategy. It's getting input into things to, to be able to consider things from a perspective that I don't always have and the other way around. And I got to thinking about this as, as I was going through. Pursuit is really a ministry, or the Dream Manager Program, which is what it used to be called. It is really a ministry which prepares people for ruling and honors their intended destiny of ruling with Christ by giving them a multitude of counselors. It, it's really what we're doing in that ministry. As we're saying, look, you're destined to reign. What are your dreams? We want to surround those we want to give you the counselors so that we can help you strategize. Because we believe that God has given you things that need to come forth. And the cool thing is sometimes it just begins really small with things that seem insignificant. But you allow people to step into a dream that might seem insignificant to you and you see them achieve that dream, all of a sudden it opens up and they can see a clearer picture. They see something new. It allows them to see things which were there, but lack of hope had hidden. Lack of vision had hidden. Search, strategize, and substance. God has given us a vision. We're called to search it out. Okay? If we cannot see it, or we have forgotten, then we need to begin searching for it again. Okay? We, we search for it in our personal prayer time. Whatever that looks like for you, we need to search for it. We, we search for it in, as we receive prayer from others. You know, we spent some time a few weeks ago, and, and often it's always available, but specifically made time for the prophetic. Because the prophetic often imparts vision. But here's the thing about vision. Here's the thing about the prophetic, I should say. More often than not, it imparts things that God's already placed on your heart and says, look, this is true. 
I gave you this vision and you didn't believe it, but now someone else is speaking it and I'm speaking it through them just to confirm that this was me. That's what the prophetic does. It stirs the heart so that we can ah, grab a hold and place some expectancy there. We can have hope. Melissa gave us a great tool last week. You know, and, and there's other tools out there that help us as we search for vision. If you have a vision and it's not stirring up hope, then you need to begin strategizing over it with others. You search for it and then you strategize. You need to begin laying out a plan till hope arises to the level where you're ready to take a step of faith towards it. Faith, again, being the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. But here's the kicker, I think, for a lot of us. I'll speak for myself. Here's the kicker for me. What if I have no hope for others? It's a struggle. You know, anytime I've prayed about various things, God keeps bringing me back to people. He keeps saying, you know, it's all about people. It's all about people. Every, Every single conversation I've had with him lately seems to end there. You know, it's all about people. Um, as many of you know, Alyssa and I are part of MMA, the Missionary Martial Arts, which meets here on Mondays. And when we go to bow in, when we meet together and we bow in before we, we do our training together, um, there's an opening exercise that we do. And it began with this. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge your presence at the center of our dojo, and we thank you for the plan you have for our lives. We ask you to guard our hearts and guide our hands and mind, body, and spirit. Help guide our training in mind, body, and spirit to be your witness and to boldly proclaim your name. Now I'm told that that was the original. Our sensei, God bless him, and we tease him about this, Seems like every time he's heard a good sermon over the past four years, he'll come back and he'll say, Oh, guys, I got a new line to add to the opening. Oh, guys, I got another new line to add to the opening. And this thing now takes us probably two minutes at least to say the whole thing. (laughs) So it's kind of funny, but it's all good, right? Well, the end of it, it ends like this. The end line is this. Stir my heart and move my feet into the harvest field where people are his priority. We're told that's the end then. But again, stir my heart and move my feet into the harvest field where people are his priority. People are always his priority. It's just how it is. 
We're called to have hope for others as much as we're called to have hope for ourselves. And that's not always an easy thing. So what do we do when we struggle to find hope? Jesus is the source of all hope. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That there is no hope apart from Jesus Christ. That's encouraging, though. Because if, if that's true, right? And Jesus is the source of hope, then hope carries his nature. And if I know his nature, I learn more about hope. I think of the song, The, the Solid Rock by Edward Moat, where hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest spring, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. This is our hope. It's Jesus. So Jesus, again, is the source of hope. And then hope carries his nature. Hope is connected to his every action and move. I want you to turn back if you're if you're following in the word, turn back to Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18 again. It says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. The happy is he who keeps the law. I was reading through this as I was preparing and Sometimes you read through verses and they just obviously connect, go, and you, you just, there's a flow. And then sometimes you go, well, I, I see, it almost looks like there's two separate thoughts. I agree with both. Um, but th- this was just one of those things that, at least at first glance for me, maybe you made the immediate connection. Um, I just had to do a little digging. And what I found is, you know, where it says, happy is he who keeps the law, where there's no vision that people are understanding, but happy is he who keeps the law. That word happy literally means happiness or blessedness, but it's taken from a root in the Hebrew, that word for happy, which means to, to, go, to go straight or to go on or to advance. There is a happiness, a means of continuing on straight, advancing in the right direction, even when there is no vision, and is found in the keeping of the law. There may be times when we cannot see as well as we would like to. But for those who hope in the Lord, there is always a means of continuing on in blessing and happiness through the keeping of the law. Now that sounds rigid, but we have to remember that Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Therefore, the law carries his nature. It carries his essence. 
and hope is connected to his every action and move. Therefore, the law fulfilled in Christ now becomes a guideline, right? Pushing us toward the upward call, pushing us toward his vision for us, even when we seem to have no vision. The law is there as a guide. Think about it. What's the first commandment as in, in Jesus' terms as he explains it? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. When you have no vision, when you have no hope to connect to what little vision you may have left, you begin loving them. You love on the Lord. And you begin to enter his gates with thanksgiving. You enter his courts with praise. And you press in until you find him. Until he can impart fresh vision. Hebrews 13.8 gives us another great example of how I'm not doing an exhaustive search here, okay? But I just wanted to give you a, a flavor. Because hope is so important. If in the end these three remain, faith, hope, and love, then it's important that we press into all three. Because everything else burns up. Like chaff. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore his nature, the nature of Jesus is past, present, and future. And like him, we're called to find hope in all three places. And, and it looks kind of like this. We hear a present truth, right? We hear a truth that he desires that all be healed, body, soul, and spirit, as found in Isaiah 53 and other places throughout scripture. So we hear that in the present. We look to the past and we see that when Jesus walked the earth, we see that he was healing all who were brought to him. He healed every single one that came to him or that was brought to him. And it stirs hope because of what we see. Our vision through the word of testimony, it creates a hope and an expectation for a future which leads to faith whereby we take action by coming to Christ for our healing and can believe for it and receive it. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And hope carries that nature. Yes. Sometimes when we can't see it in the present, we need to look back. Yes. It's the importance of testimony. Yeah. It's why we share testimony with one another. It's why scripture tells us to share a song, a, a, a hymn, a testimony. Yeah. Because it literally means God will do it again. It helps us to see, build expectation for which faith can stand upon. Finally, this is where I'm in. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 states that hope does not disappoint. When you think that hope disappoints, 
you need to check again. Because disappointment is contrary to hope's nature, which is the nature of Jesus. Jesus does not disappoint. If it appears that hope disappoints, it is typically because we have given up hope and we can no longer see. So it's time at those times that we need to surround ourselves with the body of Christ and let them begin to impart vision again so that hope can be rekindled. The rest of this verse is this. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy, by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. If you're lacking in hope for yourself, we need to come to the place where we're receiving the love of Christ poured out through people. It's part of the strategy. When we have a vision that we can't take any farther, or that inspires us but we can't see the way, we need to surround ourselves with a multitude of counselors. We need to invite people in. We're meant to be connected. We are the body of Christ. And that, like it or not, means connection. If you don't like it, maybe you're fortunate enough that he connected you in a place that you don't have to engage with a lot of people. <laughs> that's, that's possible. He meets us there. Or maybe he's grooming you for the place still. And that's okay. And if you're lacking in hope for others, we need to receive the love of Christ poured out for people. It's, it's what we need right now. You know, again, 1 Corinthians 13, 7, love hopes all things. The world that we live in needs hope. If we have no hope for people, then we need to do something about it. Really, the first step is just recognizing that. And you might not always like it. You might be kind of like uh, Jonah, right? When he went and he prophesied, and he was kind of ticked off that God didn't rain fire to brimstone. He wasn't liking people at the moment. God had a hope for that people, and that's why he was sent. There's always hope. So, I just want to encourage you. You know, Papa hoped in me when I was sure there was no hope. And many of us might be able to say the same thing. You think to some, some certain aspects or times of your life. I can say that with great certainty for myself and the way my life played, uh, just has played out. There's always hope. Saul of Tarsus was not a bastion of hope. And yet, God had hope for him in a vision and he knocked him off his horse. 
So, is this encouraging? Does it make sense? Father, we need your hope. We need more hope. Where we can see, we pray that you would expand our vision even more. Father, we pray that you would surround us with people inside and outside the body who can help us strategize over the things that you put on our hearts to do and to be. Father, we pray that you would just release even more fresh vision for people who don't have it. Father, we pray that for those that, that we struck, where we struggle to see hope for them or in situations, Father, we pray that you would take us into your throne room because it's just got to come from you. No amount of convincing, Father, typically gets us where we need to be. There's nothing like the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we just pray that you would take us into the throne room and just show us, seated in heavenly places, how you see things, so that we can have hope. We just thank you for Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith and the source of our hope. So we just let hope be rekindled and refreshed and uh, not only in this place, Father, but in this nation. We just pray just for a, for a groundswell of hope. Just across the face of this nation right now. Father, we just call it forth. Let hope arise in Jesus' name. Let hope arise in Jesus' name. God's destiny for this nation is good. And it's amazing. And his destiny and his desire for you is the same. So as we close for joining us on the, the live stream, I just want to encourage you. If you need prayer about anything, or perhaps you're you're listening to this message and you don't know Jesus Christ, who is the hope, then we encourage you to go to arkgenoa.org and click on the Meet Jesus button, and we're going to walk you through that. Uh, and then contact us, because we want to continue to invest in what God starts and is starting in you. Amen? So be blessed. Have a great day.